Growing an authentic relationship with God. Why authentic? Authentic is the relationship that God wants us to have. And the reading is uh, Matthew 6, verses 1 to 18, if you'd like to follow it in the Bibles. Taken from uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, which together comprise the Sermon on the Mount. But the whole thing, uh, at the beginning of chapter 5, Jesus stands up and starts to speak. Uh, and at the end of chapter 7, he finally finishes speaking. So the whole thing, the, the, the three chapters are the Sermon on the Mount. So this, chapter 6, verses uh, 1 to 18, are sort of in the middle. Um, but uh, the verse, the very last verse in chapter 5, Jesus says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What did Jesus mean when he said, Be perfect? It seems like a tough challenge to be perfect. And so we now come immediately to our reading. Chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful, Jesus says, not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets, to be honored by others. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And let us not, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's a story of uh, the little girl who would go to the church prayer meeting every week, and she would always pray that God in the course of time, would send her a husband. 
and then the Sunday school teacher took her aside one day and said to her, perhaps you might be a little bit less self-centered in your prayers and pray for others. And so she started to pray that God would send her parents a (laughs) son-in-law. I don't need to explain how she didn't quite get that right. Doing the right thing is one thing. Doing it for the right reason is something else. Jesus wants us to do the right things for the right reasons. For him, the why and the how are just as important as the what. In in verse 1, Jesus teaches us how not to perform our acts of righteousness. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I quite like looking up the meaning of words, so I looked up the meaning of righteousness, because Jesus is talking about our acts of righteousness. Um, Righteousness, the original word was right-wiseness. How to be right with God. It really means that our thoughts, our words, and our actions should be completely aligned without any contradiction with uh, those of God. So everything we do aligns perfectly without any contradiction with the nature of God. That's what righteousness means, and that's what our acts of righteousness should point to. Uh, Jesus is telling us firstly in this passage how to get things wrong, and then he tells us how to get things right. Uh, Jesus tells us what these acts of righteousness are. I don't think it's an exclusive list. I think there are many other things which are acts of righteousness. But here, Jesus is talking about giving, praying, and fasting as our acts of righteousness. He does not teach us that we should be doing these things, giving, praying, and fasting. He presumes that we are doing them. He says of all three, when you do them rather his teaching is that we should be doing them with the right motivation so the first act of righteousness uh, which is uh, chapter 6 verses 2 to 4 giving and I'll just go through this in a little bit of detail because as I've said I quite like to look up the meaning of words what did Jesus really say So when you give to the needy, give here is elimusen in the Greek, which is actually to do alms, a word we don't use very much, but it actually means all acts of mercy. Jesus is not talking about giving money necessarily. He's talking about all acts of mercy of all kinds, money, food, um, food parcels, bags of cement to the Philippines, a lift in the car, anything that we give. Uh, as an act of mercy. That is what Jesus is talking about here. So when you give alms to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites in the synagogues do. Hypocrites? What did he mean by hypocrites? It's a word that only Jesus used. He used it 15 times in the Synoptic Gospels and no one else used it. But Jesus used it. Again, it's a Greek word. It was invented by the Greeks. It means play actors because the Greeks invented the theatre, as we know the theatre, the big auditorium, and those actors 
who played were called hypocrites. It wasn't a rude word. It simply means people who are acting apart. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Do not announce your arms like, like the hypocrites, those who are acting out apart and not being their true self. Uh, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. The particular word here that Jesus uses for reward is wages. Wages, you do a job, you are paid, the contract's ended, that's it, you've received your wages. So when the hypocrites, the play actors, do their arms in order to be seen by others for a public accolade, they have received their reward in full from the people who see them. They've got their pat on the back, end of story, it's finished. That is not what Jesus wants us to do. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. Now, here's the thing. This word, secret, kryptos is the word from which we get our word <coughs> cryptic. I was once required to sign the official secrets act for things I cannot tell you about, ever things I need to die with. I cannot talk about them ever to anyone. But the word here is cryptic. Cryptic, as in cryptic crossword, means a puzzle which is intended to be solved. Here Jesus is saying, uh, your giving should be encrypted so that your father who sees what is done in cryptic will reward you. Our giving is intended to be fully understood by our Father. He is the one who understands the real motivation. The puzzle of why we do all these things is solved by God and he understands our motives. And finally, uh, what we do in cryptic, uh, our God will reward us. But now it is a different word for reward, a different Greek word, and it's more to do with compensation. It's not about wages paid, job done, it's now about compensation. For example, a craftsman would employ an apprentice. If the apprentice was absent from work for a day, the father of the apprentice would compensate the craftsman with money equivalent to the day's work which the craftsman had not received. Jesus is literally saying that God will compensate us when our giving is given or done with the right motive. So this is not now some sort of tit-for-tat, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, reward from God. This is a God-given spiritual compensation in the heavenly realm. We are storing up our treasures in heaven, which Jesus elsewhere tells us we should be doing when we give with a pure heart for the right motive. The second act of righteousness, praying. And when you pray, do not be like the play actors, for they love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their wages in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in cryptic, will compensate you. Jesus here is really using the same words over again. He's just substituted praying for giving. Authentic prayer grows a loving relationship with God. 
And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? A loving parent knows what is good for a child. It only needs the child to ask for the right thing and for the right reason. Then the parent is able to respond. And the relationship between parent and child grows deeper and deeper. Jesus is indicating that the purpose of prayer here is not to change God's mind about anything, but to correct our perception of the right things and what is needed, to seek his will and to grow spiritually, investing our treasures in in the heavenly realm as our relationship with him grows deeper and deeper. The third act of righteousness, very briefly, When you fast, do not be somber as the play actors, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their wages in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in cryptic will compensate you spiritually. Authentic giving, authentic praying, and authentic fasting do not focus the attention of others on me. They focus my attention on God. Jesus is not advocating that we should not do these things in public. By no means. The problem Jesus describes is doing them in public with the wrong motive, to be seen and noticed by others. The antidote Jesus advocates to doing these things in public in order to be seen and admired by others is simply to go and do them in private. In this way, we avoid the problem. Elsewhere, Jesus says, if your eye offends you, simply pluck it out. There are numerous examples in scripture of praying in public. Uh, The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus himself prayed in front of the crowd when he blessed the bread. If, therefore, we should find ourselves giving, praying, and fasting in public, when we don't also do these things in private, then we perhaps ought to question our motives. Has this just become a public show, performance? Jesus spoke harshly to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees about their hypocritical play-acting. Later on in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you play-actors! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Fasting is the act of giving up something which is valuable to me, for a while in order to draw closer to God, again leading to a deepening relationship with God. Fasting is therefore a sacrifice to be made by me to God, and it can be anything. The word actually means food, but today we can sacrifice many, many things, television, Facebook, and so on. 
Authentic praying and authentic fasting together are a powerful combination. Together they combine as a spiritual experience. They revolve about relationship with God, going deeper with God, understanding much better things of God's purpose and will for me. They are not about getting my own way with God, putting myself in God's in a good place with God so that he will be propitious, propitious towards me, looking favourable on me and giving me what I ask for. That is not what it's about. In conclusion, how do we grow this authentic relationship with God? It's all about motivation. We started with the story of the little girl who didn't get things quite right. Here's a story that was a little boy who did get it right. And I heard this story this year at the Keswick Convention, so it must be true. There was a little boy with learning difficulties, and all his life his mother would not let him out of the house. The day came when she finally had to let him go. So she sent him round to the local shop, strict instructions to come straight back. As you can imagine, he didn't come straight back. So after a while, when she could stand it no longer, she went to look for him. And she found him at the shop, sitting on the curbstone with a little girl. And they were both crying. And mother said to the little boy, why are you crying? Why didn't you come straight back, as I told you? And he said, I met Sally. She'd broken her doll and she was crying. So I sat here to cry with her. That's the story. Purity and innocence of motive is what God wants from us. Did that little boy act with purity and innocence of motive? I suggest he did. Was he perfect in the sense that Jesus is talking about be perfect? Could his motives have been improved? Could his motive have aligned more with God? I suggest not. That little boy got it right. Be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. In terms of his motivation, he was perfect. It's just as much about the why and the how as it is about the what. It's just as much about the journey as it is about the destination. It's just as much about the walk as it is about the talk. When all that we give, say, and do are done righteously, pointing towards God's perfect love in the world and away away from self, then God will compensate us, not just at the end times, but here and now. And the compensation is a deepening spiritual relationship with him, where things we do are increasingly have their origin with God, not with man, and are more and more in harmony with his perfect nature. This is not actually an easy teaching, is it? It's actually hard to get things right, humanly speaking. It requires continuous, ongoing, never-ending, honest-to-goodness self-examination. Are my actions intended, even in the slightest extent, to be seen by men? But we have an advocate here to help us, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus sent. He is continuously pointing us to Jesus, who is the way to the Father. 
I'm not sure exactly what heaven will be like, said Mother Teresa. But I know that when we die and the time comes for God to judge us, he will not ask, how many good things have you done in your life? Rather, he will ask, how much love did you put into what you did? Amen.